just the general tone of this conversation. I need to listen to more episodes. I think that doesn't get nearly enough attention. So you guys are doing a service with this type of podcast. All right, Scott, how's it going today? Doing well. Looking forward to this conversation today. Another Keystone friend that we made. So I'm excited for this one. And uh, Conrad, most importantly, how are you? You always ask us. We never ask you. So how are you? Oh, That's the, I, real, the real question. Yeah, I'm not prepared for that. So I don't really know <laughs> if I have an answer for it. No, I'm doing good. It's uh, it's a beautiful sunny day here in South Carolina. Really not a cloud in the sky, honestly. I can't see a single one out there. So it must be pretty good and not as hot and humid as it was yesterday. So I won't complain. Adam, how are things up your way? Uh, things are going great. Excited for this one. I think this one's interesting, as Scott mentioned, because it's another connection to Keystone. But it's also a topic that we continue to come back to with advocacy and regulation. So it'll be a good one. But as far as business goes, excited for some prospects that we've got going on. We've got a lot of big things coming up. But next week, I get to head up to Maryland to spend some time with the team. We'll do a quarterly business review. We're going to meet with a new sales partner that is coming in from Branson, Missouri is going to meet us up in Maryland as well. So it'll be a real productive week next week. So excited for that trip, excited to see the team and looking forward to today's discussion. What is your favorite Maryland meal? Is there like a blue crab thing you like? Or is there something else that you can get up there that you can't get down the Outer Banks? Or? I'm not a Maryland guy, but I guess I'd have to stick with the just the typical blue crab. But to be honest, I'm not really a blue crab guy because we got plenty of blue crab down here on the Outer Banks. And it's just, it's a lot of work for not a lot of meat. I, I will be honest. I have a hard time eating things that I use as bait. You know what I mean? And like, we use blue crabs as bait all the time, at least here. When I go with my father-in-law, we go fishing. So I just, I don't know. There's a weird thing in my head where I'm just like, this doesn't seem really appealing as a dinner or lunch option. So hopefully we're not offending Scott too badly. I don't know. No, I'm all good. Yeah. No connection. <laughs> Okay. All good. All right. Let's dive into it. We've got some great guests today. Excited to get them introduced here. Maybe we'll start with you, Dave. I think maybe some people listening have heard of you, but if you don't mind, a quick background about you, Rent Responsibly, how you got started. And then most importantly, is there a song that best describes you as well? Why don't I start with the song? And I don't know if it best describes me or the new life in my life. I just had a son nine weeks ago. And so my song is Itsy Bitsy Spider. I'm happy to sing it for you guys if you want. <laughs> I understand these will go on a playlist, so I just can't wait for people to be like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm going with Itsy Bitsy Spider, and I'm sure you guys know that one. Yeah, we do know that one. And yes, we I want you it. to sing it right now. No, I'm just you know, <laughs> Bitsy Spider went up. The okay. <laughs> I think for it to work, though, you have to get you on Spotify. So that would be a whole nother layer of pain that I don't want to deal with. But congratulations. <laughs> that's that's fantastic. I've got two of them. Sons, that is not spiders. And they're great. You're going to have a great time. Congrats. And then, awesome. yeah, if you don't mind, some background about you and Rent Responsibly and how that came to be as well. Sure. I started off like many people as a host in this industry in 2013, 2014, stumbled in and fell in love with the first hospitality experience and wanted more and more. And so for a couple of years, I was hosting. And then probably the reason I'm uh, a little bit outside that bubble of just being a host is because somebody threw a party at one of my rentals in 2014. And that party was called Mini Coachella, was what we ultimately called it, because it really disturbed the neighbors. Nobody was happy about it except for the party goers. And the, the most angry person was me because I was responsible, ended up having to sell the property and was left with this risk to my the rest of my business, which was being unaware of parties in real time. And so that led to the company NoiseAware. So I started NoiseAware with a co-founder named Andrew Schultz in 2015. 
Noiseware is a smoke detector for noise shorthand and would have saved me my issue. And ultimately now is the reason I'm at Rent Responsibly because I've been talking about responsible renting since 2015. <laughs> and just the quick, how did Rent Responsibly come to be? And I'll tee you up, Alexa, when you get to the point where we decided to partner up. But in 2016, I decided to take the team on a roadshow from Seattle to LA to go from one conference to another, but this wasn't just going to be a minivan. So we rented a Winnebago and called it the Rent Responsibly Roadshow. And that roadshow had us traveling road rules, old MTV style, if you guys remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Stopping off at San Francisco and Santa Barbara and Palm Springs and just bringing these communities of host owners and managers together to talk about what it means to be a good Apple or a good operator and what are the tools. And, and actually, some mayors came out and chiefs of police came out because we were just making little mini events, which ultimately started little mini communities. And many of these folks had never met each other. And I just realized the spark, right? It was this, what if we could get all of the short-term rental operators in a community together, we can change the narrative. We can change the discussion around what it, what is proper and professional operation. So that was something I carried with me through the four years at Noiseware, and then ultimately met somebody probably as passionate, if not more passionate about this topic than I am. And that's Alexa Nada, my co-founder at Rent Responsibly. And I'll tee her up by saying that I met her in her crucible moment where she was starting the Chapel Hill Short-Term Rental Alliance, and it took her 40 hours, even with the amazing skill set, skill set she had, to get that off the ground. And I just thought it was total BS to be you know, friendly with the language here, that she it took somebody so long to just get a, an organization off the ground. And so we dedicated ourselves to making it 10 times easier to get a short-term rental alliance or local community group together. And we've gone a long way since then, but that's how it all came together. Yeah, no, that's a great overview. I actually didn't know the origin story, so it's good to hear some little threads that maybe I picked up in the past, but I didn't know the the exact, all of them lined up. So thanks for that. Alexa, same kind of thing. A song the best describes you and then your background as well. Hey, Conrad, one, one yeah. quick point that Dave left out. Dave is also from Boston. So we've got another mass hole with us. Actually, yep. I, actually, I was going to save this for the end, but let's just do it now before we get to Alexa. She's like waiting over there awkwardly. Didn't you tell me, David, a Vera Mavet or something like that, that you, your wife has a Super Bowl ring? Isn't that the case? A Patriot Super Bowl? She ring? is, and she's a Texan, but she's done okay. far more cool mass holian things than I have. <laughs> she was a cheerleader for the Patriots in 2019 when they won, and so she is a Super Bowl ring. They actually make pendants for the cheerleaders, but it's basically a ring on a string. And, and she's a fourth grade teacher. So she keeps all of her kids in line by promising that she'll bring it in on the last day if they behave all year. And it seems nice. to work. <laughs> nice. That's, that's good. I would love to, I would love to touch like a Super Bowl ring at one point. That's one of my life goals. So we'll have to figure out a path to do that at some point. <laughs> and that, that was a good Super Bowl, the 2018 one over the, the not so mighty Rams. So that was a good one to appreciate. Awesome. Alexa, sorry, a little interlude there, but yeah, over to you. Favorite song, song that best describes you, excuse me, and then your background or your piece of how you got connected with Dave and Rent Responsibly. Sure. I'm glad you specified song that represents me versus favorite song because I really struggled with this question. <laughs> I will be honest with you. I ended up landing on Green Lights by Cruella. I don't have as interesting of a story as Dave does with Itsy Bitsy Spider, but I just love that song and the optimism, like not willing to see any red lights or stop signs in your way, only green lights. So 
That's the song I pick. My origin story, as Dave touched on a bit, it parallels Dave's quite often as I look back. I started in the vacation rental industry first as a director of marketing for a property management company out on the Outer Banks. That's how I actually first met Adam. I was there for a little while and then went to VRM Intel, where I was the vice president for a little bit. The biggest part of my job there was to cover regulations. I showed up on the first day and Amy was like, cover regulations. And I was like, okay, how do I even do that? I had to go refresh myself on how governments work and how ordinances are made and all the things that you learn in high school and then promptly forget through that process. I learned through a lot of research, a lot of learning the hard way that ordinances go through this crazy and weird process, and it's always a little bit different city to city. So during that time, the industry was starting to talk about advocacy and regulations a little bit more. And the advice at the time was, go advocate, go engage in city hall. But what that actually means is complex and there were a lot of rules to it. There's a lot of information you have to go and find. And as a journalist, I had the skills and the time and the responsibility to go do that. But for everybody else who's running property management companies full time or just learning how to host one property for the first time, it's quite complex and scary for a lot of people. So through that process, I realized that if we weren't getting people together and educating them on how exactly to go and advocate and making it easier for them to do that, that the regulations, especially during that time, 2015, 16 through 18, they would have just steamrolled the industry in any type of destination. It was not exclusive to urban at that time by any means. So that's how I got into the regulatory side of things. After VRM Intel, I was working for myself for a bit. Dave and I started working together during that period on what we call our humans of STR stories. Kind of like humans of New York, we want to focus on the people who are in the industry, but usually behind the scenes and doing all these wonderful things that the normal media is not going to cover. They're not going to put out stories that had a wonderful stay that was quiet and respectful and disrupted nobody. No media is going to cover that. So we started putting out these stories, and at the same time, regulations came to Chapel Hill, where I live, tiny short-term rental market. I think at the time, there were under 300 units, and so you would never think that our town would need to discuss regulations, but like many places, the hotel lobby got together and wanted to shut short-term rentals down, and so I thankfully, like Dave said, had a lot of the skills to be able to engage and start a group, but it still took me a really long time to do that. As I go through that process and Dave and I started working more and more together, we were like, we have to figure out a way to make this easier for people. We can't ask people to volunteer 10, 20 hours a week for this and go do something that is scary or that they don't know how to do. It's just going to be bad for everybody if that's what we're asking of ourselves. So we got together and we created Rent Responsibly to make alliance building and engagement and all sorts of things under the umbrella of renting responsibly a lot easier and more accessible. 
Yeah, right on. I think that's a great kind of overview and it's good to hear that origin process. We'll, we'll put links in the show notes. If you know, people listening haven't heard of it responsibly, they should have. So hopefully we maybe we'll introduce one or two new people to that. But let's kind of flip the page a little bit and let's head into Keystone. So that's kind of our first item on the agenda here. How did you come to the Keystone event? Who'd you get partnered with? Were you with Adam? Were you with Scott? Did you guys connect together in that way? And we'd love to hear your perspective on what that experience was like. We had Matt on the show probably about a few months ago. We can put that link in the show notes too. And we're just curious to hear your perspective on Alexa, if you don't mind going first. Yeah, thanks for asking about it. And I'm sure you guys agree. It was an amazing and wonderful experience. I am so grateful that I was invited to attend. Matt originally reached out to us, I think first inviting Dave, but lucky for me, Dave was on paternity at the time or Courtney was just about to have Jack or maybe it was a day or two after at that point. So I got to go and it was a pretty life-changing experience. Sadly, I was not on any teams with these guys, but it was still really cool to get to know them and to meet Scott for the first time and get to have that sort of experience where we weren't just people in a vendor hall. We weren't potential clients or existing clients. We didn't have to keep things in the conference style. We got to really connect as people And I am so lucky that I got to do that. I feel like Scott, you've talked about this previously, right? Like you, it was a different mindset. I know we've talked to in the conferences in the past about how people sometimes, I don't want to say put on a front, but they'll talk about how great things are going and how positive it is. I think you said the same thing, right? It was just a more authentic, real experience and talk to people where they are, not maybe where they think they should project themselves to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think it made all the difference. I think we talked about this before. It got started with the traditional everyone circle up and we were five minutes into that. And I think that clicked for everyone of, oh, we're just going to be real here. We're just going to say it all. Yeah. And ultimately it's hard to do that, right? Like Adam, was that relatively easy? And I don't know if you had known Alexa beforehand at any level of detail, but was it easy to be be honest and be vulnerable in front of other people? Or was it relatively easy to just be like, oh yeah, here's how it's going to (laughs) be. Go with the flow. Yeah, I think the walls were broken down pretty quickly. I knew Alexa a little bit because like she said, we had run in the same circles here on the Outer Banks. I was a salesperson for Outer Beaches when I was with Point Central. And then Alexa was there, I think as director of marketing at the time. So we coordinated a little bit, but not a very deep background. But that small group engagement and then the activities that they have for you pretty quickly at Keystone get you very quickly into discussions and it breaks down those walls pretty quickly. Doing that at a larger scale, and I think this is what we were talking about with Amy a couple of weeks ago, doing that at a larger scale, I think is what the industry needs, but how to effectively do it, I think becomes the question. And this leads me down the path a little bit of rent responsibly, but I think the other component, not only to the open discussions and the getting to know each other, but once you start to break down those barriers, then you have the opportunity to learn from each other. And I, I think that what rent responsibly is doing is exceptionally important, but to your point, Conrad, you know that there are people out there that don't know about rent responsibly and we're lacking this layer of education in the industry. So not only from a conference and a trade show perspective, I I start to wonder, how do we get this message out? How do we not only help people understand that you guys are available, but it's almost a necessity that if you're new to the industry, you should be passing through some sort of educational process like this. Yeah. What do you think the issue is there, Dave? Is it just an awareness thing? Like people just need to be aware or... I don't want to be negative, but is it a, I'm not going to worry about this until it's going to impact me thing. Like, in other words, do people opt in and go towards this once they learn what it is, or do they have to wait until something like threatens them for them to want to actually hop in and do something? It's a great question where the needs are myriad. So I wouldn't say that 
education is singular or singular faceted. I think fundamentally, if you look at the way that people get into the industry, and I was the same, is there's a lot of incentive to lower the barrier to entry to basically nil. And so there's a lot of folks that can waltz in hosting head of a Super Bowl or Coachella music festival or something of that nature and think that they're doing it the right way just because they had a successful guest come through. And so we focus on two types of education primarily. One is good neighbor education. So there is a lot more to being a good neighbor than just not having a party happen, let's say. There's a kind of a sequence of events, even from just the booking process that you should implement to ensure that you're educating your guests about where they should be parking, trash issues. Is this house even appropriate for that type of group? Those types of things just oftentimes are overlooked. So that's good neighbor. The other is good standing. So are you in good standing with the rules and the regs? Oftentimes cities have trouble finding and educating their, especially the newer operators. Managers are great. They're generally speaking, the ones that are always in that category of compliance because that's their job. But these newer operators and oftentimes the RBO operators need an extra amount of education just about the regulatory environment. So very simple math equation here, good neighbor plus good standing equals good apple. And we've had this conversation over and over again about it's the bad apples. It's the bad apples that are causing all the issues. So we believe that with good education and good channels to reach people, we can get more people from what might be an unknowing bad apple, but a bad apple nonetheless, over to the good apple side. And that's all part of professionalization and education and so forth is all wrapped up. Um, Of course, there's many other types of education. You guys do a lot of education, especially on this podcast. I've been listening. That's the area of focus that we take and obsess over. Mm. I guess there's three different layers then to think about. There's like the industry layer, which is like at the highest level. There's the market layer, like how do people behave in the Outer Banks versus how they behave in Chapel Hill or Myrtle Beach or whatever the case may be. And then there's the, what you touched on a minute ago there, there's like the individual or the business, like the property manager or the host. Does everyone have a responsibility to it? Like I think at the industry level, maybe we have like donations. I know BRMA will run donations and there's kind of advocacy causes there. That kind of makes sense to me. At the market level, maybe it's one of these groups or organizations that we are responsible for this market. And then at the individual business level, it's different. Is there some? Is there like a role for everybody to play? Is it equal? Is there someone that's not pulling their weight? I guess I'm curious, those three layers, now you think about them too. Sure. I don't think there's any one organization or one layer to that three layer cake you just laid out that's not pulling their weight. I think we can all pull harder and pull more in a more coordinated fashion. If we're going to put icing on that cake, the icing is going to go over all three layers. And the way to do that, I think, and there are other ways to be involved, but if you're not involved locally, you are absolutely derelict, I believe, in the duty to not only protect your business, but ultimately be a part of a community that is advancing the industry as a whole at your local level. And that is that has myriad benefits to not only your own individual self-interest, but it also, I think, is the right thing to do. And as we evolve as an industry, we'll just be, get easier and easier to do it. I don't think it's for lack of want or desire. Oftentimes, it's usually lack of time. And as we lower that barrier to entry, which we know is very low to, to get started, 
but the barrier to entry to get started in community building and participating. And that's where I think we can really tie all three of these layers together, make it just part and normalized of your day job to be involved. And it could be attending one thing a quarter. It could be just signing up and reading all the emails. It doesn't have to be a massive lift. So Dave, are those community groups, is that what you guys refer to as alliances? It is. Yeah. Generally speaking, alliances, associations oftentimes as well. Do we know how many those are? Do you guys have a listing of all the markets that have those? Adam, would we be doing our job if we didn't? <laughs> I'm, walk, I'm trying to walk you down a path because I think yeah, that no, I'm thinking bait. about action items and yeah. I want to get people, make sure that to your point, everybody is yeah. doing that monthly goal that, that you're talking about. Yeah, let me throw this to Alexa. Alexa, do we have a directory of alliances? <laughs> we do. We have a directory on our site. I, I have not counted in the last few months. Last count, there were more than 80 local alliances. There's also a number of state and regional ones as well that you can find on our website. But I am sure there are others that we have not crossed paths with. And I hope that's the case because I really hope that there's more than 80 alliances out there. But there are a lot and there are more and more popping up every week. I'll, on my side, Alexa, I'll put a link in the show notes to rentresponsibly.org slash alliances. Nice clean URL, the SEO and these. Yes, very easy to understand. And I can't count <laughs> I, all these I maps. I mind with that one, Conrad. Yeah, I can't count all these maps. This pens on the map. So I'll trust you of 80, but they're all over, needless to say, the entire country. Except yeah. for, it looks like you guys don't have Montana or North Dakota covered yet. So I guess we'll have to figure out, figure that We're out looking. when we get there. We're looking, yeah. 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 But uh, no, I like that. Actually, maybe Alexa, I'll go your direction because I actually have a marketing question. How do people inside of these organizations, alliances, whatever the case may be, get the word out? One thing I've had a client who was responsible for their, she was leading up her local alliance. There were some regulations coming down in her market. I don't know if I want to say, but it was in California. I'll be not very specific if she didn't want, wouldn't want that out there. And she had a really hard time getting people to buy in. She was like doing a lot of the work herself. She actually had a relatively small organization, 20 properties, not even close to the biggest manager in this market, not even top 10, to be honest with you. And yet she was the one driving force behind getting, there was like something on the ballot they were trying to get ruled in their favor. And she couldn't seem to get the word out. People just didn't seem to care. And to be fair, she didn't really have money either resources to get the word out either she couldn't go run ads or anything like that so i guess i'm curious the marketing side of it how does someone who's a part of this obviously they can talk with you all but how do they get the word out to other people in their market that is a really great question and i have a little bit of a follow-up to what dave touched on earlier and that is you do have to look at things from national state local level but you also have to look at it horizontally what we call the firefighting side of things when there is an active ordinance discussion and then outside of ordinances there is a lot of fireproofing that groups at any level need to be doing so how exactly groups are getting the word out really depends on what's going on in the community and what the goals are at the time which phase of that timeline that you're in on the regulatory side Um, What we see most often is really a lot of just grassroots spray and pray type of efforts. You ideally want to get every single person who is affected by short-term rental regulations onto your mailing list at a minimum during that period. All you are trying to get is somebody to subscribe with their name and email address and getting them to take some sort of action at City Hall. So Obviously, having a website is a great place to gather people or have them discover you. 
But there is also a lot of benefit and a lot of power that we see in partnering up with other organizations. So if you've got a friendly local realtors association, partner with them, get your information out to their members. If you have a friendly DMO, do the same thing. If you have a friendly chamber of commerce, do the same thing and get as many people on the list that way. The platforms are also generally really good at sharing messaging or at least inviting their hosts and their partners to Alliance events. That is probably, if you had to pick one single thing, hosting events is the thing that we see drive contacts and drive engagement the most. You always see spikes in those things around that. Outside of an ordinance discussion, getting people to sign up or take any action is a little bit harder, but that's where your, I would say, more classic business techniques come in. You need to always be selling. You need to be providing something of value to get people to sign up to your mailing list and obviously provide even a lot more value if you are then selling memberships and wanting people to get through some sort of paywall. That's a short version. Yeah. Do you think it's a barrier to entry thing? If we make it easy for people to participate and we don't charge them fees and things like that, is it better to have a larger organization of like slightly less committed people or is it better to have, okay, you have to pay to be part of this club with your dollars that you're investing in. Here's all the things we're going to do for you. I guess I'm curious of your perspective there, given that you guys have seen the inside of a lot of these different organizations and alliances. It really depends on the goal or the thing you're trying to accomplish. Sometimes it's manpower, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's a skill of some kind. So those are the three T's, time, talent, treasure. We use that a lot. If somebody can't contribute a lot of time, we encourage them to donate their treasure, money. For property managers in particular, one thing that gets me really excited is that they can share the workload of volunteering for these organizations and bring forth really specialized volunteers. So as a director of marketing, for example, I could be a great volunteer for a local alliance and help them with their website, help them with their advertising, help them with their email communications and things like that, and leave other needs of the alliance to other people who might be a better fit. So there are a number of ways people can participate. What I think has to be the absolute bare minimum is that you have to do something. You can't stick your head in the sand and do nothing. And that applies equally to somebody who owns and hosts one property all the way up to the big mega managers. Mm -hmm. Adam, I guess I'm curious your perspective on this too. Like you've been inside the industry for some time. And I feel like when I started, I just didn't hear these conversations back in that, let's say 2013, 14 timeframe. Yeah, I just didn't think about this piece, but what's been your perspective of how, how that's evolved and how sophisticated some of these local alliances have had to get to Alexa's point. They now have to have a website, a group, they have to have all these things together. You've seen that kind of evolve and mature. I guess I'm curious your thoughts on the beginning to today, where we're at and where we need to go with it. Yeah, I'm excited to hear that they've got a list of 80 alliances. I think that's huge progress in a relatively short amount of time. Now, with that said, I think that we're well behind the curve. My guess, Alexa talks about the Chapel Hill market with 300 rentals, and you've got the Hotel Alliance that's coming in and trying to put regulations in. If that's the case, then they are looking across every market across the country to do that same thing. So I think we're way behind the curve to go out and do it, which is why I was asking about the list of alliances to start to think about how do we accelerate that process? Because to your point, Dave, the first thing is that every market needs an alliance. 
But then you take that down the next level to where Alexa was talking about, and you need someone who's controlling that alliance, who's thinking through what the marketing is, thinking through what the calendar of events needs to be, and actually coming together with a plan. Because to the point about firefighting versus fireproofing, once you're firefighting, it's it's almost too late. You're behind, you're way behind the curve if that's the case, because the government's and the entities that are against you are already in the process of putting regulations in place. So we really need to get to a place where we're way, way ahead of the fireproofing. And my gut says that we're not even close to that in, in most markets. I think that in some of the bigger ones, I'm sure North Carolina is one that has had a local chapter of Verma, NC Verma for a long time. So my guess is that this might be an example of a state that was ahead of that, but market by market, even within this state, I think that it could still be hit by regulations without thinking about it. Because just like I said, I make the assumption that NC Verma has been doing something, but those assumptions might not be accurate. So the reality is you probably need an alliance at every one of these local markets that is getting very aggressive around advocacy and my guess is that's not happening. Now, part of that's on people like me. I'm guessing from the sidelines versus being heavily involved in that. So my, my takeaway from this discussion is that we all need to figure out what our activity is and get active. To Alexa's point, we can't bury our heads in the sands. We need to go out and do something. It's cynically, I was thinking, Adam, when Alexa said that a few minutes ago, oh, that's the perfect time to hit them, hit them when they're small and weak. Don't wait till it's a thousand unit market, 2000 unit market. Then you've got more. It's like beating up on your little brother. It's easier to do that than to wait till he hits puberty and he's bigger and stronger than you. I'm curious then, Tan, I'm sorry, Tan, from the Scott perspective, let's try that again. Scott, from the Tan perspective, we're in so many markets. How do we keep things clean from understanding what's we're able to operate in this market versus that market? And then I guess I'm curious, does Tan sidestep some of these regulations altogether, if that were the case, because it's a different model vacation club versus traditional vacation rental type thing. So I guess I have two questions for you on those pieces. Yeah. So the last one is most pertinent. So yeah, we don't follow under the short-term rental rules because we're there all long-term leases, right? And it's not open. Mm. Nothing we sell is open to the public. It's a closed network. So we're able to skirt that. But Conrad, we run into this just same as everyone else. We will be, we've been in a few buildings or a few condos where they've come in and said, we're changing the rules. Here's the new rule. And we've been bounced. We're dealing with one right now that Adam knows about up in Wisconsin. And they've got a rule change that is really going to cause issues, both for the people on the retail market and us. So we try our best to skate around them. We always deal with it up front and we don't walk any gray lines. But, but even from our perspective, right, what we do, and Adam talked about this, we don't do great at this, but in our key markets, Hilton Head and Myrtle Beach, we try to stand up and make sure we have a voice. But again, we're across in several other markets where we could probably be helping out more. Mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe Dave, I'll go back your direction then. And from like the education perspective, is it, what do you think it is that would help that? Is it just these industry events? Is it like sending out like additional communication to people? Cause I guess one thing that I was thinking when Alexa was talking a few minutes ago was like getting them to sign up for their email, having a list of people. That sounds great. But I'm like, in my head, I'm like, how do you do that? How do you get people to actually, how do you target the right people? I guess I'm curious your perspective on that. How do you make sure that you're talking to the right people when most of the time it's a bunch of owners that live several states away? Maybe some people are local, some people aren't. Some have one property, some have 10, some have a hundred. I guess I'm curious how you guys handle that from like the organization group gathering standpoint. Yeah, I think you got to look at where we've had success most and we've tried a whole bunch of things, but the success having a virtual event is by far and away the best way to get a group together. We, When a group is kicking off, they often have what they call a town hall. And it's not just 
hey, we're going to talk about regs and rules all the time. And sometimes it's in the more firefighting versus fireproofing time frame. But if you're interspersing things like data updates on the market or having guest speakers come in and start talking about safety technology, things of that nature that everybody's going to care about, you start to hit a bunch of nails with the same hammer. Not everybody's going to be interested in the same things. I will say the one thing that the media does a good job of is, or the benefit of having fear in the media is that it makes us fearful on the same side because that narrative is so skewed and journalists aren't often telling the right story, but it gets people, it gets butts in the seats, if you will, on Zoom calls. And people really respond out of a resort to survivalism oftentimes. So we see the biggest growth when it comes down to there's some acute reason that we need to get together. And then you're interspersing different types of education that people will care about. The, there is no formal education. I'm sure you guys are more than well aware to there's not a lot of university programs and grad schools to get us all to where we got. And that's awesome because it means we all figured it out along the way, but we were looking all over the map, all over the internet, all over the podcast sphere for education. And so one of the things we try to do is bring that all into one under one roof and make it really easy. So just to go one layer into how Rent Responsibly does make it easier, we have relationships with a lot of different companies that we can pull in. We have a series called Feed Your Mind, for example, which is a lunch webinar. It's like a lunch and learn, but just branded cooler. And we have the opportunity to make it literally like push button. We want to have that event for our alliance. Great. We have somebody on the roster who can come in and speak about that. So again, taking Alexis 40 hours of creating an organization down to four, that one takes four seconds to request. So we're trying to make these types of things more plug and play. And I think it's working. Honestly, the, the best thing that we see too is that these leadership groups, nobody can do this alone. So you get, once you get a group of small, a small group of passionate leaders, they're innovating themselves. They're having their own in-person meetups, coffees, sip and stir, right? STR. That's a great one. These types of coffees and other ways that they're building their own community, educating each other. So it's not all us. We just try and get it, make it as easy as possible, but we're watching it innovate around the edges as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. that. Go, go ahead, Alexa, please. Going back to one of your points earlier, Conrad, I think, yes, we call these groups alliances and sometimes they are formalized associations, but you don't have to be this giant group that is super well organized with this highly professional website in order to be an alliance and make a difference in your community. If there's no ordinance issue at the moment and you're just having things like sip and stirs, which the Vermont group does, and you're talking about winterizing your property or keyless locks or whatever it is, that's an organized group of people who cares about something and can go and make a difference in their community or in City Hall specifically. So I think in addition to education, we need to make it more accessible to start and be a part of these groups by opening up what the definition of a successful alliance is. Yeah, I think that, that's an interesting 
perspective on just like having people together. It's I was thinking like Minutemen. It's like the not really a formal army, was it? But then like when they called them into duty, they were ready to go. And so I, I guess that leads me to my next question. Such a mass hole with this. Yeah. <laughs> with <the Minutemen>. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to UMass actually. I think someone on this call did, but not me. I yeah. Right. <laughs> my dad went there. But I guess I'm curious. So does adv does advocacy have to be adversarial? We have that in the outline. I thought that's a great question because I guess Alexa, when you have those people getting together, okay, great. Now we're all loosely aligned together. We're on the same team. There's no impending threat. But if a threat does come up, um, it seems like what I've seen a lot in the past is that that I've seen recordings even of these meetings. And it's one side is that, yes, these things are the worst. Short-term rentals are the death of everything. And there's horrible things going on inside of them. How dare we? And the other side, of course, is the truth. I know people don't see it that way. Is it always have to be that way? Is it always going to be like we have to hit each other over the head and make the best person win? Or is there a way that you guys have seen where it's just more of a conversation or a discussion and there's compromise made between the two? I guess I'm curious your perspective on that and your experience with that. I'll start, but I'd love to throw it to Dave to touch on what he thinks about that question. I think in short, it can't be adversarial. It certainly can't be adversarial within our own industry. I'm sure you guys are well aware. I've listened to a few episodes where this has come up, but there is currently this division between investors and these longtime property managers and new hosts versus longtime hosts versus small companies, large companies. That's so dumb and such a waste of time. And it's only getting in the way of the things that we can be doing if we are collaborative and working together. And like Dave said earlier, all pulling the rope in the same direction. So absolutely cannot be adversarial within our community, within short-term rentals as a whole. In City Hall, of course, things are going to be tense. And of course, there are going to be people who still think that we don't need to be regulated and how dare you place laws on my property? We do need to get past that, broadly speaking, because good regulations done well are like an insurance policy for the future success and longevity of your property management business. And so in order to get good regulations, you have to be collaborative. You have to work together with everybody in your community, all the stakeholders for the betterment of your entire community as a whole. And to your point, Conrad, that does mean bringing in the facts and the data, but doing it in a way that's helpful and educational and not I'm right, you're wrong, but in an effort to really get to a solution that's a compromise and effective and enforceable and all of those things that are just going to be so much better in the long run. David, I guess same question. Does it have to be adversarial or is there also more nuance in what Alexa's saying about how to have that conversation where it's more productive? I don't think the phrasing of that, does it have to be adversarial? I think it is adversarial in when you get to City Hall, as Alexa was saying, and we can't ignore that. And I think a lot of that is because we've allowed the narrative to be different than the truth. And that's because there hasn't been a formal local machine, if you will, promoting the benefits of vacation rentals locally. It's great to have, you know, statistics and things that are factually correct. But what's more important are the personal relationships and the ability to show up to things that might not be a city hall adversarial conversation to maybe try to run for your local CV or DMO board, 
to get involved in the community activities, whether it's sponsoring classic things, sponsoring the softball team, all these things, like they're not lost on the fact uh, on the community. And it's also incumbent on us to change that narrative. And I don't want to be Pollyannish here and say, if we do all the sponsorships, everybody's going to be happy. I think at the end of the day, we're in a phase and the phase may last a decade. It may last five years, maybe longer, but the phase is figuring out what the acceptable and right-sized rules are for vacation rentals in the different communities. And we all know it's not one size fits all. There's all sorts of different communities, but that's where it's being hashed out. And so to not be a part of that conversation, adversarial or not, is to let other people dictate your future. And to not be a part of the narrative building conversation is to let other people define your future. So that's interesting, Dan. I agree with that, but I hadn't thought about it in those words that we're in this phase. So is, and I'm just rephrasing what you're saying, but is the concept that every market that we have short-term rentals in will face regulations of some sort they'll be written in for each market over whatever the pace is five ten years so if us as the managers in those markets if we don't take some sort of proactive approach to being a part of it then someone else is going to write those regulations for us and if that's the case can we make it a more broad discussion can we get out in front of this and start to say hey these are the right regulations this is the right narrative for us as an industry and try to do this collectively rather than each one of these markets separately Oh, hell yeah, brother. I think there's no reason you can't proactively bring forth what you'd like to see in your community. I've seen that attempted and then rebuffed. I've seen that attempted and become the starting point. Anecdotally, I walked into my city hall, what was that, 2015, 2016, started meeting with my council members saying, you guys don't have anything on the books here. Do you see what else is going on around the country? Should we get something started? I'm a guy who's focusing on noise monitoring and renting responsibly. I think I can bring some experts in to help us out here. And they just said, we don't have a lot of complaints. We don't, we're not really focused on that right now, but it got the conversation off on the right foot. And then years and years later, they decided to regulate, but it really is possible. The thing Alexa points out too, is in politics, the it's musical chairs, the seats change. So when I say it's a phase, that doesn't mean when the phase is over, it ends forever. It does mean, though, that we're in the middle of if you I've seen a graph where there was a 400 percent increase in regulatory discussions as a result of COVID. Mm -hmm. So we are coming out of a real phase and maybe not coming out of we're in a real phase. Is, does Rent Responsibly offer a playbook or templates that people should say, hey, this is a solid standard that we've all started with in a successful market, and this is one that maybe you guys want to start with as well? The answer to that is no, because we don't have policy positions ourselves. The VRMA has a great policy uh, okay. book because we're not an association. We try to empower people to advocate for themselves. We do have access to those, and we can discuss and talk strategy and say, this worked over here, talk to so-and-so over there. But I will say Rent Responsibly doesn't publish policy. We don't have a particular outline of policy that we promote. We will say that we don't promote bans in anything that it looks like that. Pseudo bans, easy to say that we're obviously not proponents of those. 
makes sense. One of the things that we've said a few times on the show is we've talked about the 2019ers, people that came in during COVID, and we've joked about it too, right? People who are have only been in the space for a few years, it's so easy, all this demand, I'm going to go get 20 properties and I'm going to be printing cash and I'm sitting on a beach drinking Mai Tais. And these aren't the people that I envisioned in my head. I could be wrong, Dave, as the people who are like, oh, let me also think about regulations. I think they're more interested in different motivations. That seems to be slowing down. I guess it's up for debate if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Probably a good thing as far as some of the markets have seen a decline in kind of overall demand, building, et cetera. Is, that, is it going to solve itself a little bit? And I don't mean like it's going to solve itself where you don't need to be involved in advocacy, but was just this crazy sharp graph of, whoa, there was never this many people here before. Now there's all these people here. I feel like it's getting a little out of control. Is the kind of slowing down just got to automatically make that conversation a little bit more smooth and easy to have in, let's say, 2024 than it was in the middle of 2022 when things were at a peak? I guess I'm curious your perspective, Dave, on that. Yeah, I'm formulating a perspective. You know, what's really interesting is a lot of the best leaders are 2019ers um, and maybe 2020ers. There's a lot of folks who perhaps they lost their job during COVID and had a their family had a vacation home and they're like, look, time is now. Let's do this. I will say there's certainly a, a washing out, right? The tide's going out. So people who weren't wearing bathing suits are being a little exposed here or got in with rosy expectations that weren't really possible to sustain. That said, I don't think that the longer you've been a manager necessarily makes you a more proactive advocate. It could definitely make you a valuable advocate because you have a longstanding business and you are probably more integrated into the community and so forth. But to Alexa's point, like there's not a, there's not an overweighting to one profile of leader that is good or better. We just had a retreat, Rent Responsibly, the Spark Retreat. And one of the most passionate leaders is just getting her first listing up. And she was just saying, this is my retirement. I'm not willing to let these impending regulations get in the way. And she was a hornet. Like somebody kicked her hornet's nest and she is now a hornet. And she's barely, she's a 2023-er. So I think there's a lot of different flavors here, but they all get mixed into the cauldron and we got to step up at the end of the day. If anybody's listening to this, by the way, get involved now. That is the call to action. And when it's okay, how do I do that? Look at the Alliance directory. If there's not one there, find some folks in your community and start one, whether you're a 2023 or a two or a 2021 or a 2013er like I was, doesn't matter. If you want to have your finger on the future that you're creating for yourself or trying to maintain or grow, whatever, and that goes to the vendors as well, time is now. Right on. I know we got a few minutes left. Is there anything else, Alexa, that we didn't touch on that we should have touched on or pieces that you feel like people should be involved with? I think that was a great kind of call to action piece from Dave. I guess I'm curious, anything else that we didn't cover that you'd like to talk about? I'm glad Dave actually dropped in vendors there at the very end of what he was saying, because there are also a lot of very successful and passionate alliance leaders and volunteers, you don't have to sit on the board, who aren't owners or managers at all. I started my group. I was not a property manager. I don't own any short-term rentals. Dana Lubner on our team doesn't have any rentals, doesn't manage them. And some of the best leaders on the groups that we work with are vendors, or they're just people who care about property rights and other things who 
are willing to raise their hand and contribute. So I'm putting an extra call to action out here for all the vendors who listen to your show that you are an equal part of this and you can and should lead these groups or at least be a very active participant in your local community. So please do that. I'll also say we have a ton of resources on our website for getting a group started and taking any action a group could take. That's advocacy, that's hosting events, that's building education programs, all sorts of things. We have templates, tools, anything you can copy and paste. We have a bunch of stuff on our website. Sorry about that. We also have a service suite for groups that want to take things to the next level and need some extra help. For example, if you really want to get great at email communications, but nobody on your board really has the time or the skill for that, we can help supplement that. Website management, event management, all sorts of things we can help you with. That's why we exist and we are happy to support groups any size, any location. But um, I think that brings us to time. Anything else, Adam, that we should leave before we put a bow on this one? But I think this was a really important conversation for sure. Well, I think it was super important. And to your question previously, Conrad, about how much things have changed since 2008 when I entered, it's phenomenal, just like a lot of things in this industry, to see how quickly it's changing. And that's positive and negative. I think that to Dave and Alexa's point, the negative's coming at us pretty quickly. So we've got to come out and we've got to get to these alliances. And I think that's the right call to action. Go to Rent Responsibility's website, look at their group of alliances. If you're not on there, form one. If you are on there, then go out and meet with them and start to take some action. Now's the time, because if we don't get in front of it, then then someone else will. And to Dave's point, they're going to be writing our story for us. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like I said, I will put links in the show notes to rentresponsibly.org. So make sure you go there, check out what these folks have to offer. It's fantastic. Definitely something that you can benefit from and that your community will thank you for. Thank you guys, Dave and Alexa. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you recording here with us today. And what would be really responsible for people listening to do is to go to their favorite podcast app of choice, click five stars, leave a review, because that would make us really happy. And then we can keep doing more shows with people like Dave and Alexa. So thank you guys again for your time. Appreciate it. And we will catch you on the next episode.